Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cardboard Herald, my chance to talk with creative gamers and game creators. And I am so excited because today I am joined by a Kenner Spiel winner, Elizabeth Hargrave. Welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah, I am so glad that you are here because you have had such a, an interesting design career thus far, or at least from what we can see in the public. You know, you had Wingspan, of course, come out in 2019, nearly two years ago at the beginning of 2019, which feels like a completely different world for several reasons. <laughs> Yes, and at the same time, when you say that was nearly two years ago, I go, oh, wow, yeah, that was two years now. <laughs> time is flying. And then, of course, you had Tussie Mussy and Mary Posas, and congratulations on the success of those games as well. Thank you. Leading up to Wingspan, how long had you been dabbling in game design? Wingspan was really the first thing that I tackled, but I worked on it for a long time before it ever saw the light of day. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that that was like, all right, I'm going to start designing games and it's going to be one of the you know, revolutionary games that's going to be a massive crossover hit and kind of change the trajectory of Stonemeyer as a company. That's the game that you started design work on? Yes, but what I started with wasn't you know, what, where it ended up. Okay, okay. <laughs> so instead of designing lots of little games on my way to the big hit, I just, like, kept beating the horse until it finally was the horse I wanted, I guess. <laughs> well, it's a pretty damn good horse. Well, it had kind of like this meteoric rise in which it just kind of snowballed in popularity. Like initially, it was the anticipated new game by Stonemeyer, who had already really proven themselves with, you know, Viticulture and then, of course, the, the really big hit with Scythe. And so this new bird game is going to be their next thing coming out. And people were like, oh, that could be kind of cool. I trust Stonemeyer and hmm, this new designer, Elizabeth Hargrave, never heard of her before. So let's check it out. And then it became a success within the, the hobby and then just had this crossover appeal that suddenly it was getting tons of media coverage from outlets that you would never anticipate covering, you know, hobby board games. How has your life changed both as a game designer and just as a person since the release? So my 2019 was pretty wild. I went to a bunch more conventions than I normally would and, you know, got to kind of play Rockstar there. I went to Germany twice, which is not a normal thing for me, <laughs> but once for the Kennerspiel and once for Essen and um, yeah I just kind of decided to ride the wave as long as I could and and you know as long as I was enjoying it and by the end of 2019 I kind of hit the wall I'm not normally a big convention person but I was having a lot of fun with it and then I was like this is too much travel and so I had like very carefully planned out my 2020 in terms of like okay I'm gonna like travel once a quarter <laughs> and then you know here we are but, uh, <laughs> And did this have a, a impact on you as a, a professional? Like, did you end up deciding, you know what, I'm going to dive into board games and their, their design as a full-time gig? Yeah, so I was already working just part-time. Well, I was like a freelance consultant. So my day job was very up and down of like, I would have periods when I was working intensely, but then periods when I wasn't, which was perfect for game design. 
Um, and I had a lot of control over my schedule already. But then again, when I was looking at 2020 and like convention season overlapped with um, this project that I had been doing for a dozen years where I would like travel around and do focus groups in different cities around the country and, you know, pretty intense um, period again of travel. And, and um, I was like, oh, man, I can't do both of these. And the board game stuff sure is a lot more fun. <laughs> So I, yeah, I just decided to take the the leap, and now I'm I'm doing board games full time ish. I mean, I don't know that I would say they were my full time job, but I'm I'm not doing other work besides board games. This must have been a, a hell of a learning curve, you know. You mentioned beating the the dead horse until it was well, not the dead horse, beating the horse. Period. <laughs> until it was the horse that you wanted That's for a wingspan. Analogy. I don't know why. I <laughs> This must have been a hell of a learning curve for you. What sort of lessons did you have that you kind of applied to the, the games that you've released since then? Yeah, I do think I've gotten much faster in terms of putting things together. And I think part of that was just like finding a really good playtest process, which again, this year has been off the table. But I sort of found a community of, of designers here sort of between the DC and the Baltimore areas. There's a lot of people working on games and a bunch of folks that are like published designers. Um, and so like, for example, Matthew O'Malley and Dominic Krapuchets and I were getting together like once a week and play testing. And that's a great way to get stuff done and, and really push through on a design. Um, super valuable to work with other designers and to have, if you can set up a, a system where you're getting regular play tests, it just really, for me, it became this whole cycle of like, okay, we have the play test and then I, okay, I have a week to produce something new based on what the feedback that I just got. And it, like, it, it creates deadlines like on a really regular basis, which is awesome. Do you find at this point that, uh, you know, when you talk with a company about possible game designs, like you just have a, a magnitude more access to them by being the Elizabeth Hargrave. Oh, yeah. I get like cold emails from people that I haven't met in the industry saying like, if you ever have a design you want to pitch to us, you know, we'd, we'd be happy to hear from you. Everything that I've seen from you has been tremendous. And I think that you deserve every bit of the success that you've received. That said, if you're anything like me, you have tons of anxiety and imposter syndrome anytime anyone tells you that you did something really great. Is there any part of you that feels, I guess, guilty to have your first release be this, this monstrous hit and then you kind of bypass a lot of the... the uh, grit that you have to earn along the way of getting game after game pitch denied by different publishers that a lot of designers have to face. I don't think guilty is the right word for it. I mean, I feel, I feel like I put in the work ahead of time, right? Like the sure, time that sure. people are spending on like game after game, I was just like, I'm going to make this one game really amazing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the Kenner Spiel can do a lot to help you get over your imposter syndrome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For <laughs> sure, for sure. That felt pretty validating. <laughs> well, um, I don't I mean, yeah, and then there's the issue of, like, will my other stuff ever, like, I, I feel like Wingspan is at a level where I don't hold myself to the expectation that I will ever be able to achieve that again. 
Like it was just lightning in a bottle, right? And like I will strive to make more awesome games, but like I don't expect other games to live up to what happened with Wingspan. It was just really special and I just tried to appreciate that for what it is. Well, speaking of the games that you're designing, you know, you have Wingspan, and then I already mentioned Tussie Mussy and uh, Mary Posa's earlier. And all three of these are kind of non-conventional themes for the, the tabletop gaming hobby. You don't have orcs battling to death with one another. You don't have Mediterranean trading in these. Uh, and they are all three naturalist themes. Was that something very intentional going into this? I mean, it's why I, just, I started designing, because I felt like there were... I was playing a lot of games that I really enjoyed mechanically, and where the theme did nothing for me. Like, I'm not into all the high fantasy stuff. I didn't grow up on D&D. So, like, that whole set of stuff, just kind of, like, whatever. I'll play the game, but I'm not, like, into the theme. The training in the Mediterranean, I don't know if anyone's actually into the theme, right? <laughs> They're just a vehicle for interesting things to happen. Maybe. I mean, there's people that are into the history, whatever. But, um yeah, so it's really, it was like the spark for me was really talking with some friends about like, why are none of these games about anything that we're actually interested in? And and what is it about these games mechanically that could be applied to something that I am interested in? And like, you know, how, if, if I were going to use resources in a game about birds, could, like how would that map over? So instead of wood and or and whatever you have like the things that birds need in a game about birds and that, that kind of stuff so yeah it was really the whole starting point i mean it's just, it wasn't like an intentional like oh this is a hole in the market that needs filling other than like this is a hole that i personally am feeling in the market i want a game in this hole right is that a direction that you want to continue with especially the the naturalist bent like to me I, I think about them as spotlighting a, a, a vast world that many people may not be otherwise exposed to unless they are really interested in it. I mean, I know that you're an avid hiker. I'm an avid hiker. I, I live in Alaska and I'm surrounded by wilderness. And so the natural world is incredibly important to me. And giving that level of exposure to a, a sort of grandeur and, and uh, depth of the natural world is something that I think could help with conservation efforts and, and just awareness of, you know, certain behaviors of, of animals and plants. Is that anything that you consciously went into these games with? Mostly they're just subjects that interest me personally. And like, if you're going to have to play a game a hundred times to make it good, like it better be about something <laughs> yeah. that you like, right? Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, on Wingspan especially, I was always like, I want to make a game that gamers will enjoy, but that will also be interesting to birders. And I, I think it has succeeded at sort of going both ways. And I hear from a lot of gamers that they've gotten interested in birding and vice versa. Um, with Mariposas, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm super fascinated by that particular migration pattern. And I think it's it's uh, something that a lot of people don't know and and I think does have direct ties to conservation. And like, I, 
I'm not like explicitly like I'm going to be the person that changes the world by making a board game that gets everyone into conservation. It's not quite that literal, but like this is really cool stuff in the world and I think people will enjoy liking it and like if that has the benefit of making people who enjoy mostly staying inside and sitting around a table playing a game, <laughs> if that has the benefit of making those people like more interested in something in the outside world like awesome if that you know gets them more aware of some conservation issues great yeah that's exciting to me um but not necessarily like my primary primary goal because i'm a big gamer too speaking of games you know the the games (laughs) that you enjoy playing you know what are some of the games that had a pretty profound impact on you that made you interested maybe the the meat and potatoes behind what what makes things tick you know thinking about things like balance and you know efficiencies within the games elegance little little moves that the designer did maybe even before you decided you wanted to design a game the ones that kind of made you think about it as more than cardboard on the table yeah i was playing a lot of race for the galaxy when i started working on wingspan that that makes sense there have been a few reviewers who like point out like somehow it feels similar and I'm like, wow, you got it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's definitely one that's like a direct link. Um, I feel like with my posts, I was thinking a lot about Kingdom Builder because I played it and was just so struck by how simple the rules are and yet mm-hmm. how many choices you have because of the hex nature of the map and the constraints on you and so like even though Mariposas plays very differently that sort of spirit of like getting a lot of interesting decisions out of a a relatively simple setup and a simple set of decision simple set of decision rules or like options but then that like turning into really interesting decisions that was definitely something that was on my mind when i was doing mariposas since the success of wingspan and the the game since and games that are going to be coming undoubtedly you've also developed quite the the platform for yourself you know not just with publishers who are contacting you to say hey you want to design a game for us but what you say publicly matters it it has a much wider reach than a lot of designers do you feel some sort of responsibility to to utilize that for any form of activism or you know shedding the spotlight on certain things within the the hobby but it feels like a responsibility I mean a lot of it's just like this just like the themes like this is just stuff I would do anyway like it's stuff I was doing before people knew me for Wingspan but now a lot more people are hearing it Um, because before Wingspan ever came out I was starting conversations on Twitter of like wow it really sucks to go to Unpub and have it be like 10% women like that's just really uncomfortable and I wish it were different and what can we do to make it different what can we do to make it different oh boy it's hard um I mean I think it's it's changing a lot and that I I do think that there is an element of it that was literally like being the first one to break that line like at a local level I am I was often the only woman in the room and that's like always uncomfortable and until you know everyone there but if you're a newbie 
And like, as we get more women and more people of color into the hobby, I think that that barrier starts to fade away a little bit because the next person isn't the first one in the room. Um, so that helps a lot. And I think that if you're running a game night or a playtesting event or whatever, just being super conscious of that dynamic and making sure that um, you're watching out for for new folks and, and helping them sort of get acclimated and, and plugged into the community can, can make a big difference. Um, I, I think... I mean, there's a set of stuff of like, how do we get the group of gamers to expand? Because the group of designers always comes from the people that are the most hardcore gamers, right? Absolutely. And I wonder a lot about whether there isn't sort of a chicken and egg going on of like, if white European guys were making all the games 20 years ago, like that created a set of games that was really interesting to people who shared a lot of stuff culturally with those guys <laughs> and maybe less interesting to other demographic groups. And that's been slowly, slowly eroding as more different people come in as designers. And I think just in the last few years, you've seen it starting to really break open. So like, um, you know, Board Game Brothers, for example, who's like doing very intentionally um, games that are aimed at African-American culture around basketball and, and rap music and things like that, you know, and um, so many more women designers and women, you know, bringing in new themes like Wingspan that may appeal to broader audiences. And as you get those broader audiences for the games, you will naturally grow up more gamers out of, I mean, more designers out of that body of gamers. So I think that goes a long way. And then, you know, I think publishers just have to be more conscious about if they traditionally have been reaching out more to published designers that's just reinforcing the status quo and so like to the extent that publishers try to do some outreach and get more new designers into their pool so like mariposas is with aeg because they put out a call for women to submit designs to them and i submitted mariposas to them before wingspan came out um so that could have been my entry into the market as well as Wingspan could have been, right? Because they made that very conscious effort to to seek out designers because they knew it was a hole in their catalog. I, I even feel that too, you know, like uh, I, I'm a straight white dude in my 30s. I am like quintessential target market for the vast majority of the the gaming hobby, whether it's RPGs or video games or, you know, board games, whatever it is. But, you know, the there is a, a sense of responsibility for inclusion, right? You know, to, to see where I can... Uh, uh, just check myself and afford opportunities for anyone to come onto the show. Not that I'm hitting someone up uh, being like, oh, you're a person of color. Do you want to come on my show um, as the token representative of this? Or, you know, to have you come on. I, the last thing that I want to do is to have you speak for women designers, you know, as as one thing uh, as compared to the the vast and nuanced world of people of all type. Um, 
who are who are designing games but i i think there is a responsibility kind of at every level whether it's you know at your game nights or if you're a podcaster or if you're a publisher um to just make sure that you're you're allowing different voices to be heard and uh different perspectives to be given um as far as i'm concerned that's only making the the gaming world more diverse and it's not taking away anything you know that high fantasy stuff that is you know directed right at me that's still going to be there but so is all this other stuff and i i think that's only going to make this hobby more interesting as time goes on right i think to the extent that i've gotten pushback on a lot of what i've said over the last few years about diversity it's been from people who are afraid that i want to take things away and like i i am not saying that any of the existing <laughs> game markets should go away i'm saying we can grow this market significantly there are people who do not feel served by the current landscape of hobby board games and there's a lot of room for growth and i think you know growing the whole industry will be good for everyone who is already gaming um to the extent that it can just add on to what is available totally and it's not to you know put people in specific groups either you know like if you're a, a woman and you enjoy uh you know lord of the rings or you know gloomhaven or whatever it is more power to you there are tons of women who enjoy you know the the really nitty-gritty level of dungeons and dragons or heavy duty war games but you know there there's also a lot of people women or men or otherwise who don't feel like they uh really enjoy those themes or those types of games so i think like you said we can bring a lot more people into this hobby if they feel like there's something that's more accessible to them one thing i wanted to ask you about was the the backlash to wingspan because of course, it's received tons of accolades, and there there's a lot of success uh, from a critical perspective, from the the consumer perspective. But it almost seems like that success has created a a target for it from a very vocal minority who just want to really, really vocalize how much they think that it doesn't deserve these accolades. Does that affect you? I think I'm mostly not hanging out in those spaces. Like, I really <laughs> don't see that that much. Um, I think the most I saw it was around the, the Golden Geek Awards last mm -hmm. year, when it right. won, like, eight of the awards, which I feel like Wingspan deserved the awards it won right. to the extent that the categories were not well-defined. But at the same time, I agree that some of those categories should have better definitions. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and that with better definitions, Wingspan would not have de deserved to win those awards. But it was, you know, people's choice. Right, It right. got all the votes. So, like, yeah, to the extent that that's what that award is, like, it deserved it. Because people voted for it. And clearly by far more people love it than don't <laughs> but i think if it didn't have this level of success 
then that small minority, that small but passionate minority would instead be like, yeah, it's an okay game, but it's not for me. But something about successful endeavors, especially when they are breakthroughs by people who are otherwise not known, and this isn't unique to board games, you know, this is music, this is movies, whatever it is, it's almost like people need a hill to die on. Um, and <laughs> and uh, a few people um, in this hobby have chosen Wingspan as that hill. Yeah, I just don't worry about it. I hang out on the Wingspan Facebook group and it's like a firehouse of lo- a fire hose of love. So I'm, you know. There, there's a lot of positivity there for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of Wingspan, you know, we we can't leave this interview without talking about the upcoming expansion. So, like, what is the the coolest aspect of this expansion to you? The thing that, as a gamer, you're like, oh, damn, this is awesome. I mean, I love the birds. That's not so much as the gamer, but, like, the birds are just, the birds of that region of the world are just amazing. Um with Europe, I did everything was just on the cards, and with the with the Oceania expansion, I really tried to add some stuff besides just like new bird powers. So there's this whole new mechanic of nectar, which is sort of representing. When I did a lot of reading about the birds of Australia, there's a there's a whole book about the the ecology of the region that really emphasizes the fact that that sugars are very important in this region and less so in others for all kinds of complicated reasons but so it's, it was partly sort of an ecological thing but it also totally changes up the game that you have this whole new food resource and and the way that 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 works in the game and um once we were coming up with a way to track how much nectar you have spent then we were like oh we could just do a whole new player mat while we're at it so um we changed that up to and you know, there's been a little hullabaloo of like, oh, now the old player man is obsolete, which was not my intention at all. I was just like, oh, an expansion, like you want stuff that's different, right? Like you want to try different ways of playing the game. So this throws a bunch of new stuff in the pot for you to try out and people will like it and decide to always play with it or sometimes play with it. Um, I do think it raises the complexity level a little bit. So it's the kind of thing that like, I probably wouldn't have this expansion in if I was playing with new people that I was teaching the game to. Um, But hopefully it'll be fun for folks who, who've been playing a lot and want something different to change it up. Well, I know you're expanding into different regions of the planet in order to focus on different birds, but is there a favorite bird of yours that you haven't been able to include in Wingspan yet? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I really got hooked on birding in Latin America and Central America. So like, I'm super excited to do like birds from Costa Rica and Guatemala and that region of the world. Um, and then shoebill storks in Africa. Have you ever seen a picture of a shoebill stork? Not off the top of my head. Look it up. They're like Muppets. Okay. They're, they're, <laughs> the Smithsonian actually has some of them in in one of the museums. And uh, like I had always seen pictures of them and thought they were remarkable already. And then I saw that they're enormous on top of being crazy looking birds. They're huge. And uh, they're just super cool. So I'm excited to get to the shoebill storks. I can't wait for it. Now, <laughs> outside of Wingspan... 
what do you have kicking around right now? Like, you know, Mariposas has been released. You have yeah. a new Wingspan expansion. What's on the horizon for Elizabeth Hargrave? So I have a game that's um, signed and in development with Pandasaurus that they are not really talking about what it is yet, but I'm excited about that one. It's coming along in the development process. I sort of... Um, when John Gilmore was working for them, he saw it at an unpub and snatched it up before I ever would have pitched it. So it's like, <laughs> it still needed a lot of work. Um, but uh, but I think it's getting close. And then, yeah, I have a couple other things that I've been fiddling around with. But honestly, it's been really hard to get work done this year. It's just, I really don't enjoy playtesting online. Mm-hmm. Um I've really learned that for me, a lot of the feedback that I appreciate is like people's body language and facial expressions and like how they're physically interacting with a game. And so on top of like things just being much more fiddly to try and move pieces with a mouse, like just the whole human in-person dynamic is, is gone and frustrating. And with enough stuff still going on with Wingspan and Mariposas, I've just been like enjoying those in the world and not worrying so much about like creating the next thing. And I have been working on the next Wingspan expansion for After Oceania. So there's lots of like dated stuff that I needed to do for that and starting to think about bird powers, but I haven't started playtesting yet. That is exciting and wild, yeah. and I know it has got to be top secret. So I guess <laughs> I'll save my questions for that for the next cycle when you're coming right. around to talk right. about that. But I, I'm so glad uh, for you for the success of each of your games at this point, and I can't wait to see what's on the horizon. Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Thank you. If you enjoyed this video, we have all kinds of other reviews, interviews, and recommendations via writing, podcasts, and video here on our channel and website, CardboardHerald.com. Our content is audience-supported, so if you want to show your support, please visit our Patreon. Thank you so much for watching. This has been the Cardboard Herald.